You are listening to an Enoch Pratt Free Library podcast. Your journey. Your journey. Your journey. Your journey starts here. Here. Diamond, the Adult Services Coordinator at the Enoch Pratt Free Library. Thank you for joining us in the France Merrick Creative Arts Center and welcome to a very special presentation of Writers Live. So tonight, we're honored to have investigative journalist Brian Kubler sharing from his book, The Long Blink, the true story of trauma, forgiveness, and one man's fight for safer roads. Brian Kubler has written, published, and broadcasted thousands of stories in his career at WMAR-TV, formerly ABC-TV News, ABC2 News. He has won three Edward R. Murrow Awards for his writing, and two of those honors were awarded to Brian for the reporting of the story that eventually became The Long Blink. He'll be joined by Ed Slattery, the man who transformed his trauma into a bigger calling to prevent other people from experiencing what his family has. The Long Blink exposes the staggering cost of the American trucking industry's rising crash rate through Ed's intimate struggle. He is left to piece his family back together after a trucker fell asleep at the wheel and killed his wife and maimed his son. But it's also a story of finding ways to live bigger than your circumstances. From the historic public settlement with the trucking company to a bizarre confrontation with its driver in which the driver seemed to try to rewrite history Brian's book is the song they sang, the family sang together, overlooking the sunset on Lake Erie. They took a sad song and made it better. Wow. So I know many of you are very close to this story, so please give a warm welcome to Brian Kubler and Ed Slattery. Thanks for coming, everybody. I appreciate you all coming out. I can tell you that uh, in a reporter's life, as we're chasing down a bunch of stories, thousands in my career, that there is um, at least a handful where I've said to myself and a lot of other reporters, I've seen some of my colleagues in the room probably say the same thing, that this could make a great book. You just watched one of those moments for me that I was able uh, to develop into a book with the help of with Ed Slattery here. Um, and it's almost a story that I never ended up telling. Um, this accident, as we just heard, happened in the August of, uh, of 2010. Susan Slattery was on her way home to Baltimore with her two kids in the car. That, uh, that tractor trailer fell asleep. The driver fell asleep at the wheel, crashed in the back of Susan's car, pushed her car up underneath another tractor trailer. Um, She died almost instantly. Uh, Matthew and Peter were critically wounded. Uh, Matthew uh, suffered a debilitating traumatic brain injury and is um, severely disabled to this day. It was a huge story around here. Some of you might have remembered that story or the coverage on other stations um, because Susan was a wildly popular, popular Stevenson University professor. And so it made it made for a, a big news story around here. And about nine years ago, this time of year, my boss called me into her office and she said, you know, 
you've heard this Slattery story? And I said, yeah, I, we just ran some things on it, you know, that week. And she said, well, I, I want, the, the father knows someone here at the station and reached out to us and said he'd like to tell the story. And I said, okay. And she's like, I, I want you to put it together for the upcoming ratings period that we have, which is usually in November for TV news. And I said, you know, I said, Kelly, it's not really my kind of lane. I was like, I'm more of a, of a cops and courts guy, and this wasn't really my style of, of story to tell. And I was like, I, maybe we should get a different reporter to cover it. And she said, luckily, I'm your boss, and I don't have to care what you say. And uh, <laughs> she slid the number across the desk, and I immediately called uh, Ed Slattery here. Do you remember the, the first conversation we had? Um, honestly, no. Okay, well, I'm about to tell you. <laughs> I was in so, shock. Yes, I know. So I called him, and on the other end of the line, this man picked up. I knew he was dealing with a lot, and so I don't like to spend a lot of time with people who don't have a lot of time for me, so, especially as a reporter. And I, and I, I led with, uh, I'm really sorry for what happened to your family. I've been following the story. And, and he said, why are you sorry? Were you driving the truck? See now, that nervous laughter there, that's exactly how I felt at that moment, too. <laughs> But he went on to say that I don't have time for these kinds of niceties. I don't, have kind of, I don't have time for these empty condolences. People have been telling me I'm sorry since it happened. And I, I'm through with it. I need to do something else with it. And that's when I realized that this man sitting next to me had a, had a depth and complexity to his character that I thought, okay, this is a man who needs to, to tell a story. And so... My photographer, Lamont Williams, and I from WMAR went out to cover Ed's uh, story over at Kennedy Krieger, and uh, the, what you saw there is the result of that. Um, that story won me my first Emmy. Um, the station then recreated the award, and we gave it to Matthew and you on the air a few months after that, right? I was just at the house not too long ago. They still have it. It's still there. Hanging on a wall. Um, and it... it it was a wildly popular story. It, did, it, was, it was the most popular story on our website that year. Um, every time we did a story with the Slatteries, uh, the, the ratings bumped. And the reason being is because they were such genuine, real people going through this incredible struggle that is just incredible, incredibly relatable. Um, as I think anyone in this room knows Ed can tell you, he's a pretty relatable guy. Um, and so I covered this story for... Um, Years, we did a few stories together. I covered them when you won the uh, historic settlement against the truck driving, the, the trucking company, uh, the trucker that ended up going to jail over this. Ed's remarkable transformation into a national advocate for safer roads. Um, he's on Capitol Hill annually now and works with some of the biggest names in politics: Cory Booker, Joe Biden, and our and our local folks like Congressman Dutch Ruppersberger, who wrote a blurb for the book. Um, the book then ends with a confrontation with the driver, and I don't want to give too much away about that. I want readers to experience that organically. Um, all I can say is that when Ed asked me to write the book, and then he said, we need to get this driver's story in there too, I agreed. As a journalist, we should absolutely do that. And we drove out to his house, and we, we had that conversation. I brokered that interview, and I can tell you unequivocally, in all the thousands of interviews I've done in my life as a journalist and 20 years in journalism, that interview was the most incredibly emotional, heartbreaking, 
crazy thing I've ever done professionally. And Me too. And, right. And I don't want to give that away. I think people need to get to that on their own in the book. But the arc of this man and his story, uh, to me from the beginning, was something I felt like deserved to be told on a, on a bigger on a bigger scale. At, at, at the core of this book, and I don't want people to, to walk away from this thinking it's about trucking. It's not. It's, it's about surviving trauma. It's about losing the love of your life tragically. It's about raising two children that, will, that you know will never end up being the same. And then it's about trying to find forgiveness and purpose in such crushing loss um, in order to at least attempt to rebuild a new reality for for a new life. And that's the story arc that he took me through over the years of knowing Ed Slattery and that I hope that I've done justice in this book, in my first book, <laughs> to be able to take you, the reader, in that same arc because I think it's a hell of an important story. And while it, sh while it sheds a lot of light on the trucking industry through Ed's uh, experience, I think it has a lot to do with how we deal with, with trauma. Um, I don't know, Ed, how do you feel about it? Where are you at on this? What's um, your take this nine years later? Oh my God, I'm exhausted. Um, <laughs> and, and that's true, I'm, I'm tired. Um, but I'm 63, I think I'm supposed to be tired. But <laughs> um, yeah, I'm tired. Um, I'm frustrated. Um, I deal with some anger. Throwing a meatball sandwich, which you can. That's read in the about book. In the it's book. a great scene. Um, and and my uh, grandson is taken after me. He throws everything. Um, <laughs> let's see what he does with a meatball sandwich. Um, yeah, I'm glad we did it. It's it, it's not the end of the road for me. It will never end. Um, my only way out of this is dying. Um, they tell me I'm going to do. Um, <clears throat> Stephen Wright says my plan is to live forever, and so far it's working. Um, <laughs> but you also said to me that you said uh, you said that you have maybe a good twenty years left on this earth, and your goal is to is to advocate, is to give back. Is that's where your purpose is at? Yeah, I'm, Susan and I used to say that if you if it doesn't scare you a little bit, you're not giving enough. Um, and um, you know, we were two college professors. We we lived okay. Um, we lived a hell of a lot better in Alabama, I got to tell you, um, because we moved up here during the height of the housing bubble, and they were willing to lend us uh, like a million bucks. And I said, do you know us? <laughs> I'm an economist, and she's a mathematician. Um, so you're crazy. Um, so we lived in an apartment. Um, what did you just ask me? <laughs> um, giving back. Um, so yeah, we you know our kids uh, went to Catholic schools, um, which are a heck of a lot cheaper in Alabama. Um, I gotta tell you, um, of course, their schools. You see why things are cheaper in Alabama. Our property taxes are like six hundred dollars a year. Um, but anyway, so, um, yeah, we always felt like you, you just give. And she learned that from her father, um, um, who I admired greatly. Um, he was a man of few words. 
Um, I wish I could learn from him. He used to say, never miss an opportunity to keep your mouth shut. Um, I'm not good at that. Um, but um, You're being shy. He would sign checks um, between Christmas and New Year's every year, gave no consideration to the tax issues. He was not a tax minimizer in that sense. Um, and, you know, that's just what we do. But is that spirit in you and Susan? I mean, you, after the crash, you, Ed won a, a historic settlement with the trucking industry, the, the highest ever recorded to the, at that time, and I don't know if that's been eclipsed ever since. And so once, you know, this family's taken care of the rest of their life, Matthew's taken care of the rest of his life, the home that you built for Matthew, the, 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 um, the example you set for how to build a home and a universally designed home for a disabled person in order to remove all the hurdles that you possibly can in construction um, for a home for someone of Matthew's disability. Uh, giving back to Kennedy Krieger and creating a fund for families that run out of insurance when their children are going through the, the very same and, and crucial uh, therapy that Matthew had to receive at that moment. You gave back to the Akron Children's Hospital that saved your son's life, lives. You gave back to the volunteer firefighter company that saved your son's lives. So he's being a bit shy. But uh, Ed always told me that, that he they try to give until it hurts. And he's got a lot to give, and sometimes it hurts. But yeah, it, it, it does, and, and it scares me. Um, I don't have as much money as a lot of people think I do. Um, and um, I, you know, I do need to live for the next 20 years. My career is over. Um, I'm, I, I wouldn't hire me. Um, my skills are, you know, people passed me by a long time ago. Um, I don't even know how to operate my damn iPhone anymore. Um, so, yeah, um, but you still give. Um, Susan's father used to say that you don't have to go broke taking care of the poor, but you have to take care of the poor. Um, you know, so that, and my own parents, we, we were not wealthy by any stretch. Uh, we had an outhouse until I was in like fourth grade or, th or four, four or five years old. Um, uh, my <laughs> don't get upset, Mom. But um, my, my first pets were swamp rats. Um, <laughs> I grew up in the swamps in New Jersey. We had swamp rats. We had skunks. We and you could see through the wall to the outside. I mean, and they have people um, in this room are going to swamps in New Jersey. What? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, right. That's right. And we now know they were toxic. So. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, anybody that came to the house was welcome to sit at the table, and you just ate less, and <laughs> they, they got the same share. Um, so I, my sister had cerebral palsy. Um, she was the middle child. I'm, I'm the youngest. Um, my sister Lois is here, um, my big little sister. Um, and, um, yeah, so I think there was a generosity of spirit in my family growing up. Um, but you're also generous with your story too there's a lot of people professionally that I meet um, after traumas and I'm reporters are usually unfortunately some of the first people that folks see after something that happens to their family like that um, and th there are a lot of folks that don't want to share their story and they internalize their trauma and they deal with it the way that they want to deal with it there's, 
there's very few people or families that I've met in my career that can outwardly pivot from, from this, a, a significant loss or a trauma into the public good. Um, and when you find people like that, like Ed Slattery and his family, you, you, you have to kind of lean into it a little bit because these are the people that, that change the world with their stories. And he's been so gracious about sharing his story from television cameras to now as we sit here on publication day for a book that I told him would never get published um, is pretty amazing. And I mean, I, I tell these folks kind of what the conversations we had about why you wanted me to write this book. What, what did you want to accomplish with this being out there? Well, there's several things, because I thought about this, you know, what, what is the point? Um, the, the book really focuses on my, how I dealt with all of this stuff. It's largely because most of my family didn't want to be in it. Um, um, but, and, and I respect that Peter's a 25-year-old um, young man now, and he... Um, I think the nicest thing about living in San Francisco is that nobody knows about this. Um, and so he gets to forge his own identity um, independent of crash. And we don't call it an accident. We call it a crash. Um, it's not quite an on purpose, but it wasn't an accident. It was sort of an inevitable. Um, why that day, why those circumstances, why us? I mean, who the heck knows? Um, and I'm not a what ifer. I, that's a, um, uh, an infinite regress. If, if Christopher Columbus sailed a year later, we'd all be speaking Italian. Who knows? Um, so what ifing ma makes no sense. Um, um, so the book is a, a lot of my perspective and Matthew, um, and what do I want to get out of this? Um, several things. One is community, and some of my friends are here now. Um, and let me tell you, um, my friends sat with Matthew for over 4,000 hours at Kennedy Krieger Hospital um, because I said to our scoutmaster in Akron before we even got home that I don't want either of the boys to wake up to an empty room. Now, Ray um, hates hospitals. He came to Akron. He never came to a hospital again. But the sign of a real leader, um, which Ray is, and he runs a 90 to 100 boy, scout, boy, boy scout troop, and he doesn't always show up because he's, he's a busy man, and everything functions. Um, that's leadership, when you don't have to be there and everybody knows what to do and it all gets done and they all live. And Boy Scouts, that's a big thing. Um, and so two of my friends who are here, um, Anne and Alethea, um, organized long before the Internet had these pithy little um, programs, you know, bring them a meal, um, you know, give them a ride or whatever, visit them, whatever those, I don't even know, whatever those things that are out there now. Um, they did it like on a spreadsheet and emails and phone calls. And... Uh, my friends sat with Matthew from about 4 in the afternoon till 6 a.m. and four-hour shifts during the worst time of the day. So Matthew, who never really, really was alert in the hospital, but for over that whole six months, 
they sat with them anyway, and they wrote in a log um, every night. So I got three or four notes every single night. And the security guards at the front desk who you know, had nothing to do all night long except sit there, um, people would walk in the door and they would say, are you here for Matthew? Um, and they would sign in and they'd go up to Matthew's room. And, and the staff at Kennedy Krieger has never seen anything like it. Um, I don't know if you'll ever see that again. Um, it was um, remarkable. And so that's one lesson is what community can do um, and what community really means. We talk about that a lot, obviously, but that's a community that went above and beyond. Um, extraordinary. All, and I never asked again. I never asked anybody to do that. I said once, I don't want my boys to wake up to an empty room. And they never did. Um, and then when Peter was finally discharged, and he was a very sick young man, he was septic in Akron, um, and you captured this beautifully in the book, but um, I, when he was septic, and Kelly told me years later that he was septic, I did not remember that. You know what I knew? Both boys were on the same floor of the goddamn hospital for the first time. And I didn't have to go from the fourth floor to the sixth floor to the fourth floor to the sixth floor. And, and when I was in between floors, they were both alone. And when I was on one floor, the other one was alone. And I couldn't be in two places at the same time. Let alone not even being able to mourn your wife either. Uh, and which I personally believe I still haven't. Um, there's no time for mourning. Susan wouldn't want me to either. I'll be honest, Susan never wanted recognition. Um, she was the most extraordinary woman. Um, and you know, we, everybody who dies is, is all of a sudden extraordinary. Um, assholes die too. Um, that might be the line of the night. Ed. It's good, good for you. Can you you can't put that on the air? <laughs> no, I can put it in the next book though. Um, I actually was. We were so my friends, um, Bruce, um, Bruce, and. Um, I know. I'm. I'm. I'm thinking Daisy. Um, Dawn. Daisy is Matthews and my trainer. <laughs> Bruce and Dawn are here from Michigan. Um, um, Dawn lost her father how many years ago? Fifteen years ago in a truck crash. Um, and um, she is the president of Crash, which is Citizens for Reliable and Safe Highways. Um, I'm on the board of Parents Against Tired Truckers. Together, we are the Truck Safety Coalition. Um, and why did I bring you up, Don? Because of the important work that you all do. So, yeah, so um, I'm not alone. This happens over 4,000 times a year. It's happening. 4,700 times a year. It's happening more and more times every year. The death rate of crashes with trucks. Um, are there any truckers in the audience? And don't you don't have to raise your hand, but I do want to say something to them. Um, that is, I honor and respect the work you do. Um, I couldn't do it, um, and and I have some truck trucker friends on Facebook that have been friends for years now. I've never met them. I love them. They are wonderful, safe, hardworking honest. We don't always agree on policy. 
Um, but when I, one big issue for us is side underride guards and rear underride guards. The rear underride guard is though are those two pipes you see coming down with a T upside down, like a uh, mathematical pie. There you go, dear. Um, a, a mathematical upside down. Well, those don't work. Um, they weren't ever tested until three, four years ago. Um, and and who, Harry, who pushed for those tests? Was it Advocates and IIHS? Um, so, um, and Harry is the executive director of the Truck Safety Coalition. He came in from D.C. Um, to be with us tonight. So, um, the statistics have been lately since since Susan died on the roads. Uh, there's roughly 3,600 people were killed in uh, large truck crashes. Um, 36,000. I'm sorry, 36,000. No, 3,600. No, uh, per year, but in the, year. in the nine years since she was killed, 30,000 more people right. have died and 900,000 more have been injured. So what I want to continue saying to my trucker friends um, out there is you are not responsible for all of those. And, and that gets thrown in our face all the time. Well, we didn't do it. And my response to that is, you know, that's what my five-year-old says. In fact, I think up until 18, I didn't do it. Um, you know, no one's asking you to take responsibility for the stupid things that other people do. Take responsibility for what you're doing. Um, and not you as an individual, but your industry. Um, and there are things that, that need to be done. Um, so we in the truck safety community honor the work that truckers do. Um, I, I wish that was more clearly understood. Um, we know that a large percentage of you are incredibly safe um, and work very hard at it. One of my dearest friends on Facebook, um, Jeff and his wife Linda, um, they wear, they're independent. They wear uniforms. Um, he gets his truck washed all the time because he says, how are people going to respect what I do if I don't respect what I do and if I don't present that image? Um, so all work is honorable if you do it honorably. There However, are, there are honorable lawyers out there. Right. Um, but like the, the, the point is, I think you're trying to make is that there is the, the year that Susan was killed, 3,600 people died on American roads with, with large truck crashes, right? The most recent data we have is 2017 from the Federal Transportation uh, Department of Transportation. That's all the way up to 4,700 now a year. That's a 30% increase. That's a surge of 30% in just seven years. What Ed likes to say is that uh, what you used to say back when Susan was killed, th about 3,600 people die a year, you would say that's like a 9-11 each and every year and we're doing nothing about it. Now you say, imagine if the airline industry killed 4,700 people a year. Don't you think that Congress would be having emergency open hearings about what we can do about this issue? Um, that's kind of so that issue is is continuing to go on to this day. Many of you might remember that uh, the comedian Tracy Morgan, who was injured in an accident in 2014, I believe, and his his friend in that car was killed too. It's eerily similar to what happened to Susan, although it was on tr the Jersey Turnpike. So this is an issue that continues to to resonate and and continues to happen, and uh, safety groups are continuing to try and pull it back. Now with the Trump administration, there's. There's some more deregulation that's happening on that end of it. They have no idea how that's going to impact anything. Um, but the Department of Transportation head 
uh, said recently that they might think to roll back some of the, the drive time hours for truckers and relax them a little bit, which could be a problem down the road as well. So, you know, this book touches on that. We don't get into the politics of it. I didn't want to go back and forth into that kind of thing because the, I think the story of the trauma is what is really what should lead it through. And, um, you know, I, it's an important book, and I think, and it's an important story, and it, um, I, I think it touches on a lot of different, different issues uh, as you kind of ride along this journey with Ed. Um, and I, I hope you all enjoy kind of how we were able to kind of put that together uh, for the reader. Um, do you want to take some questions? Well, I, I, so without, because I, I don't want to give away the end. You will not believe the ending. But, but you can't give away the ending. That's I'm the reason why I have to buy the book. I'm not going. I, I won't. But it was important to me. Um, it was important to me to meet Doug, who was the trucker. Um, and in the very end, you'll find out why. The, don't read the last page. Um, <laughs> or the last couple pages ahead of time. Um, it was very important for me to meet him, and my goal was to be able to say, I forgive you. Um, it is not my role to forgive you in some ultimate um, sense. Um, it is my goal to kind of figure out how you and I are going to move on. Um, our lives are inextricably bound. Um, and... Um, I also believe, um, and I struggle with spirituality and God, and my head and my heart are in constant conflict. Um, I'll just be honest. The existence of God in my brain makes no sense whatsoever, um, but my heart wants there to be. Um, and so I struggle with that constantly. Um, and so it is, not, it is not my role to decide to, to forgive or condemn um, him in that higher sense. Um, but I do believe I get to choose who, who are my friends. Um, I get to judge people in the sense that you're going to be in my life or you're not, and you get to judge me likewise, as, as you should. Um, I want to forgive you. I don't want to hate anybody. Um, I would like for you and I to go to conventions and talk to truckers um, because you can tell them that, you know what, if you kill somebody, you may go to jail. Your boss is going home to dinner with his family. It costs his company a lot of money, but they're still in business because they're a big, big, big company, um, which actually is another point. I am very, 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 very lucky. Um, the trucker that did this um, admitted to falling asleep at the wheel. There are there are other issues in whether he should have even been driving a truck, which were all in the record. My lawyer had sued this company before, um, um, and he used their own deposition from the previous case against them, which you'll read the details of. Um, this company was very well insured, um, which so... Um, the the minimum insurance requirement for a commercial motor vehicle is $750,000. Um, the average is a million. The only reason is because that's the denominations that companies write their insurance in. Um, and so the average is is a million dollars per truck. Now, that is per um, 
per incident, but for all the people involved. Our trucker hit how many cars? Five um, and another truck. And the, that million dollars would have had to settle all three of my death and two injuries, all the vehicles, other vehicles that, that got uh, crushed, um, and any injuries. There were no other serious injuries, amazingly enough. Um, that million dollars would have, first of all, 25 to 30 percent would have gone to the lawyer. The remaining $750,000 would have had to put those other lives back together. Um, we would be on food stamps. They're not called food stamps anymore, but we'd be on them. Um, that's another issue we would like to see addressed um, legislatively. Um, and of course, the American Trucking Association fights everything, everything. Um, so that's something, you know, so um, I did meet the trucker um, at his house, and you have got to read that. Yeah, yeah that will knock him. Um, just let him. How do you think I handled let, it? Just let him experience it. Just, <laughs> just let, how you how you handled it is on the record, and it is now in a published book today. So let them read it. Um, do you want? Let's take some questions. Let's do that. Sure. Okay. And does anyone have any questions? Somebody's got to have a question. What were the medical bills for the boys? Um, what I know is that it was over a million dollars for Matthew, um, I believe, to get out of Akron. You have no idea what a helicopter ride costs. Holy shit. Um, and that was nine years ago. Um, yeah, so it was millions. Um, Peter had crushed hips and pelvis and a broken eye socket, um, and he is screwed together. Um, and he does, he's doing very well. Um, I worry about him when he's my age because um, my hips hurt and I don't have any metal in them. Um, you know, so those of you who are in your 50s and 60s know what getting up off the couch feels like, especially the day after you exercised. Um, so uh, it was tens of millions. Um, and also... My insurance company, oh, let me mention one other group, the um, USDA, um, which is where I worked. I, I taught for 20 years. I was an itinerant professor. I ultimately followed my much smarter wife around um, as her career um, was advancing. Um, but I went to the USDA for the last two years of my professional career. The last professional thing I wrote was organic versus conventional apple production. Whoa. Um, it was very interesting, but, um, and we now actually have a little really? farm where we're was, it, was it that interesting? <laughs> uh, I think um, I said, I don't know. But my USDA colleagues, I'd only been there less than two years, um, and the, that's where I was when I got the phone call about the crash. And, um, I gave my credit card to one colleague and said, get me tickets to Akron. Um, I was, you need to read the details, but um, I was walking out and one of my colleagues stuffed something in my pocket later. Give them away the whole book while we're up um, here. <laughs> but here's the big thing they did. They gave me a year's worth of leave. Yeah. 
donated their vacation time for you right. to have a year's worth wow. of leave. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, that's there's just a lot of, There's a lot of community threads through there, uh, too. Um, unbelievable. Um, so anyway, I don't know what... So when you settle, all those medical bills that, are, that have been piling up, they get paid. The insurance company ain't paying them. Um, it, it gets paid out of the settlement. So, you know, you look at that number and you say, well, you know what, a shitload of that went to the lawyers and another shitload of that went to pay those bills. Um, and you're, whatever you're left with is what you're left with. So think about a million dollars of coverage and what that would have done to my family. Um, I've had a few run-ins with truckers because I used to drive a lot. And I don't know if you've ever uh, tried to report an unsafe trucker, but it's virtually impossible to do that if they don't want you to. Because you can't see the license plate on the truck, and the license plate on the trailer is different, and it's probably covered in oil and too small to read anyway. And you can't see the front license plate, and if they don't have a sign on the door, you don't know who they are. So, so there's a guy out there who ran me off the road deliberately. He's still out there. Yeah, and I, you know, it, it's the, the the important thing that I want to get we want to get across here too is that not all truckers are bad people. Okay, there are also some really good companies out there that do it the right way that don't that don't pay by the mile. Um, that have you know salaried positions that treat their drivers the right way that have all the the the, the cutting edge technology for safer. Uh, to, for safer driving habits too. I don't. I don't want anyone to walk out of here thinking that this is just a, um, you know, a, just taking truckers to task. It's not. The book is not so much about that. But there, uh, there are some issues on the road that obviously your organization and others are trying to to crack down on. So what what I would like to say to all of you, because um, a lot of people say to me, "Oh, I'm so afraid around those trucks." Then get the hell off the road. You cannot drive scared. Um, you need to drive with some level of confidence. Um, you, if you feel uncomfortable around those trucks, let them by. Um, be respectful of them. They're 80,000 pounds. They cannot stop like you. Um, do not cut them off. Um, do not, one of the things truckers hate is when people lurk. Um, when you're on the side, usually, especially on the right side, um, and you're lurking over there. You either pass them or get behind them. <laughs> um, you shouldn't pass them on the right. You shouldn't pass anybody on the right. Um, but my, my message, there are also numbers in every state, and I don't I forget what it is in Maryland. I've actually called it in Ohio before. Um, it's like a 211 number. But you can look them up. Every state has a number that you can make non-emergent complaints to that you can point out some of these people. You're right, it's difficult. I, I get it. There's usually the name of the company on the truck. You can give them the mile marker. Um, you can give them the direction. You can give them basic information. It may or may not catch them. That's not your responsibility. You are responsible for taking care of your vehicle. And if you have an opportunity to report that person, you, ha you, can, you have some responsibility to do that. But do it safely. Um, pull over, give the phone to someone else, um, because in your anger, frustration, uh, worry, um, you now become unsafe. So your point is well taken. 
because um, I have reported some trucks in the past. I've also reported passenger vehicles. I mean, if you're, you know, these some of these people are nuts. Um, and what we do around each other on the road is crazy. Slow down. Um, Anybody else? Skylar Henry of WMAR2 News. <laughs> Uh, Ed, this question is for you. Um, I think your story is something that everybody relates to because as you, as both of you were mentioning, the both of you, I mean, everybody drives, right? Or, or most people drive. And so it's something that can happen to everyone. And something that you seem to have dealed with in these last nine years is dealing with trauma healthily. Can you talk about just how important it is to deal with with something so significant in your life and, and, and doing so in a way that, you know, a lot of times folks can, you know, start to look toward vices and things like that to deal with the things that have happened to them. And you seem to have kind of turned it to a way where you're helping other people out in, in terms of everything that's happened to you. Well, the parents in reality are, <laughs> I'm not as, not as great as he makes me look, but, um, but I, um, Maybe this is my way of dealing with it. You know, maybe this is my way of grieving the loss of Susan and the loss of my son, uh, Matthew. Um, I worry about Peter every day. Um, I'm going to see him this weekend. He's freaking San Francisco. You know, it takes longer to fly across this country than it does to fly to England. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. We need to shrink this country. But, um, or he needs to move this way. But... Um, I, I, you know, maybe that's my way, maybe this is my way of grieving. Um, I, I've also dealt with depression my whole life, um, and I struggle with that every single day. Um, what I, the way I sort of see it is wherever I am is where I'm happy to be and stay. I don't want to move to the next place. Um, so getting up is very, very difficult for me, um, I'm fortunate that I can hire people to do things um, for me, and I work better when I'm with somebody else. I'm not a good loner, um, and so it is good for me to have people around, um, and and it just helps me to move. Um, and um, so I, I could do a lot more than I do, um, but I do fight this horrible, horrible thing called depression. It's horrible. Um, yeah. So, I, so I, you know, I don't know. This is just my way. I, I don't feel like I have a choice. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I feel like I, don't, I, I just do what I do. I don't know. Um, I'm not a real great planner of things. Um, I'm really good at starting and getting things started. I'm not great at following. I need, I need to start and then find other people to take it. That's true. Um, <laughs> um, it is true. Um, and um, that was just a therapy session, so thank you very much. Um, so, some, you know, I was t uh, we were talking, uh, Bruce, I think it was Bruce and... Whatever the hell your name is. Don. Um, <laughs> um, um, about um, some of the things that Matthew and I have done since, this book, since the end of the book. Matthew and I went to Seabase. Anybody know what Seabase is? 
Sea Base is a frickin' island off the Florida Keys with no running water, no electricity, no babes, no beer, no hot guys, if you, that's your preference. Um, um, and it's, it's a pretty rotten place to be, actually. It's hot. I hate the heat. I'm not a salt water guy. It's sticky. And sand gets into every crack and crevice you own. Um, and you're with a bunch of mostly 11 to 14-year-old boys who all stink to high heaven. Um, <laughs> it's an absolutely miserable experience. Um, I did it with Peter and um, before the crash, and then I did it with Matthew after the crash. Um, and we rented one of those um, beach wheelchairs. It has a big balloon wheels on it. It's made out of PVC pipe and some really crappy metal. Um, and we, you, you canoe five miles to an island in a war canoe. We had Matthew in that stinking war canoe, and when we hit one of the sandbars, we threw his butt out. Um, and, he, you know, he couldn't swim. <laughs> he had a life jacket on, obviously, but, um, and we had adults. Everybody was, you know, very alert to his needs. Um, you also go do the recumbent biking with him and... He also graduated high school and watching him walk across the stage. You don't want me to finish that story. Well, <laughs> we got eight o'clock. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we, um, we have a tandem recumbent tricycle that we ride. We've done 150 miles this summer, um, and we will ride um, all until we can't. Um, um, we've gone skiing. Um, he is at a an event tonight at the um, Image Center in Towson, which is for disabled adults, and they do programs and things. He's volunteering at the zoo, um, trying to figure out what is good for him. We have a f little farm. I have a 4,000-square-foot garden that I produce over 2,000 pounds of produce, most of which we give away. Um, I'm looking for volunteers next year who can come and help me harvest and deliver this stuff because uh, some of it rotted before I could get it. You usually deliver uh, it to challenged neighborhoods in the city. Right? I do deliver yeah. right now to a specific neighborhood in the city. Um, I can afford my own food. I do eat some of what we grow, but I can afford my own food. Um, so we take it to people who can't and in a food desert. So we do we do do a lot um, and. We have an amazing home. Um, you can actually see it in um, Architect Digest. Dwell Magazine. Uh, Dwell Magazine, um, 2015 issue, I think. Um, and you can just search Slattery on their website. So if anybody, um, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk to people about accessibility and, and universal design. Um, ADA is the Old Testament, thou shalt not kill. Um, and um, universal design is the New Testament, love your neighbor, um, stand. That's the way I think of it. Um, um, ADA is minimal standards. Good. Better than when my sister was growing up, um, but not enough. So there are features in our house that um, you can do in an existing home with some modifications. Uh, they don't have to cost what my house costs. Um, they don't have to have modern architecture design and all that stuff. You don't have to have all that. Um, so those are, that's kind of what we, but Matthew and I have had some crazy experiences. Oh, my God.
So a lot of us here in the room have been th uh, with Ed through his journey, but Brian, I was wondering how being involved in writing the book has changed you and your outlook. You see how he just shut me down? <laughs> he knows me. <laughs> um, you know, as like as a reporter, when I when I'm usually working on stories, and I, you know, I in this city I cover a lot of really tough shit. Pardon my French. Um, and a lot of my colleagues do too, and it's it's tough. You know, it's tough to bring it. And sometimes those those stories will come home with you, and you kind of have to mentally unpack them and put them away. But you know, you you de you develop um, a hard skin around that stuff, and you kind of keep your you keep everything like right around here, you know, because you have to as a reporter and as a journalist. And, but there, are, like I said at the beginning, there are a few stories that could cut right through that. Um, and almost immediately, I knew this was going to be one of them. And so, you know, taking this trip with Ed, uh, you know, I'm always at, I'm always in awe of people, of characters, of people I meet on stories that can do this pivot from. I'm a victim of tragedy and trauma too. I'm going to make this a better world for, for people by using, by wearing my trauma so other people don't have to. Um, and that's, that's, it's just simply amazing to me. I don't have that fortitude. I don't have that strength. He sits up here and goes, I'm not saying special. Blah, 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 blah. I grow vegetables. But the reality of it is, <laughs> the reality of it is, if, if this had happened, God forbid if this had happened to me, I know myself well enough that I would have crawled up in a ball, I would have hated the world, and I would have been miserable for the rest of my life. Because that's me. And I'm not strong enough to be able to, to use that to be a better person or to, or to change anything around in my surroundings. And I think a lot of us are like that, to be honest. I think it's a very special person um, that can make that transformation. And, I'm, and I've met people like that along my career, but maybe just a handful. And um, you know, when you see someone like that, I, I felt like I needed to kind of take advantage of that and learn from it. And so I've learned from it, but I don't know that I could ever really be the kind of person that he is when it comes to this kind of stuff. He's an incredibly patient man, and as anyone in this room knows me, I am not. But um, So I guess that's kind of how, what I got out of the book, I guess, in writing it. But How patient am I, Kelly? <laughs> 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 that, that's, that's my daughter. Another question over here? Uh, no, no, no. You mean the one that I fried in the Atlantic Ocean? Um, <laughs> um, I'm not sure what battery problem with the cart you're talking about, but I wrote like, a lot of crap that I don't like remember. It seemed like we read something and you were on a vehicle, maybe you were out for a walk or a, a run or maybe recently? a bike ride. Kind of recently? Fairly recently. Oh, yeah. So our new tandem recumbent tricycle, which is 11 feet long, is an e-assist That, that must be it. Yeah. And I hadn't, this was one of our early rides on it, and um, <laughs> I brought the, okay, I can be really stupid. Um, I brought the chargers, not the batteries. <laughs> <laughs> they, Tough bike ride. They don't work. Um, 
um, and the tires were underinflated, and oh my God, um, we got out about seven miles, and it said, oh my God, I have to go back. Um, and oh, it was horrible. <laughs> God, it was horrible. No, I figured all that out, and so now we ride. Um, so in e-assist, um, there's a little electric motor in the hub of the rear wheel on the bike, and um, before you poo-poo the whole idea, you don't get to ride for free. Um, you have to pedal. And so what is true is we cover a little more distance in the same amount of time than we could otherwise. Um, and I got to tell you, riding a bike with no wind in your face because you aren't going fast enough sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so putting it on level one instead of going our sort of standard eight, nine miles an hour, um, uh, we, we can go to three, no, 12, but you can go up five levels, so we can go 20 miles an hour, but um, we don't because the point is to get exercise, um, and people keep asking me, does he really help? Yes, he helps. Every now and then, I, I, so I have a rearview mirror so I can see him to make sure he's okay. Um, every now and then, I'll look back in the rearview mirror, and he's back there like this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, he, he did not lose his personality. No, and, and I tell you, I told you this so very early on, and I tell people all the time, I didn't lose my little boy. Um, a, a brain injury can grossly change personalities, and can lead to anger and uh, you know um, outbursts and um, horrible seizures. And, and Matthew does have a seizure disorder, but it's very well controlled with medication. Um, we may start weaning a little bit in a year. To, he's seizure-free for a year now, um, and just kind of see where that goes. Um, so, yeah, he, I did not lose my um, his sense of humor. He has aphasia, uh, mostly expressive aphasia. He's slow processing. Um, Lindley, am I lying? Or? Um, Lindley, Lindley was Matthew's speech therapist. Um, so I was the mayor of the hall at this specialized, <laughs> the specialized transition program. And the four, the four ladies sitting here, raise your hands. They were they were Matthew's um, team. Um, the um, the only one who's not here is was his OT. Um, but the, that was his team. And um, so I tell, and so I'm working with an OT now for hippotherapy. Does not involve hippopotami. It's um, a horse. <laughs> That's apparently Greek or Latin for horse. I don't know. Um, so Matthew has started doing hippotherapy, which is a huge hit. He loves it. Um, uh, she has a lot of OT interns, and I believe I've told you all this before, but I especially tell interns, the doctor saved Matthew. I might cry. Um, the doctor saved Matthew's life. You guys give him a life. Um, what therapists do is unbelievable. And I got to tell you, there were days I couldn't watch um, because I remember Trish had... <laughs> You know the thing you you hoist a car. <laughs> you know the the things you the dollies you hoist a motor out of the car with. Well, they make them out of med surgical, you know, or healthcare quality metal now. But um, that's all that is, um, and it has harnesses. And they would strap Matthew in that harness, and he would hang. 
and he couldn't move, couldn't pick up his head, he drooled, couldn't walk. And I remember, Trish, you, I remember one day you were, you were doing that and you said, I feel a twitch. Um, the, 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 Yeah, it, um, I sat in that freaking hall every single day for six months, a year, nine months. It was a long freaking time. I used to tell people where to go. <laughs> oh, you, you need this form. That's up in this office. You know, go down there. Tell Joan I sent you. I think we have one last question over oh, here, yeah. if you don't mind. Oh, okay. Oh, Ingrid, Ingrid. Ingrid is a, well. <laughs> Ingrid is... Uh, Ingrid went to high school with Susan, and she contacted you and Susan went on to be math majors, right? Yeah, we both, right? We both So did math here's what yeah. Susan would say about same-sex education um, and all-girls school. The smartest mathematician in that room was going to be a girl. <laughs> <laughs> we had several. Uh, Ingrid, what, I, I, I was really going to ask about the therapies that that Matthew did and the variety of things, and you kind of led into that because uh, I think the thing that struck me through kind of this whole process is, and you said it, that you still have Matthew, that drive he has to just keep going. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, again I look at those videos early on and go, you know, like yeah, where he is today compared to that is, but you tried so many different things. You I mean, the, the yoga, I, I mean, and so that's what I wanted to ask or, or say, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? But you kind of well, alluded to well, it Well, you already. know, I do have people who have injured injuries, and some adults, a dear friend of mine just had um, transverse myelitis, and he's in his 50s, and he's paralyzed. And, and um, all I can say is therapy, 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 therapy. If it ain't hurting them, try it. Um, and you just have to do therapy. And you know what? You got to push sometimes because the insurance companies and sometimes even the therapists are going to say he's not progressing. I don't care. Um, then let's try something else. And um, that's another place where I'm fortunate. I can give Matthew whatever he needs. Um, and he gets <laughs> probably more than he thinks he needs. Um, and um, so, yeah, um, my, my dear friend Dawn here, Dorothy Doris Dawn um, broke broke her finger, um, and she's doing therapy, and that's what I Dawn do your damn therapy. <laughs> you have to. Um, so, but Matthew's drive, um, you don't know what's going on in that head of his even now. But back then, we had no idea what was going on in that head of his. Um, but um, one of the first things he did was scratch a dog pet therapy. Um, um, he triggered a micro switch um, to play a Jeff Dunham tape. That was inpatient, actually. Um, and I just watched that finger twitch for a couple of weeks. Um, and they had taped a micro switch to a, a handle thing. And I, we watched that stinking finger just twitch. And, and you knew that's the only indication I had that he was in there. Um, and we would twitch it for switch it, you know, for him um, until one day it, it fired. And he's pretty been been pretty unstoppable ever since. It's amazing that 
he's amazing, and he's never going to be what he should have been. Um, and that's a really, really, really tough pill to swallow. It breaks my heart all the time, every day. Um, it's uh, not. Uh, I, I've been telling people when you're t describing the book on interviews and stuff. It's and 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 situations like this. It's not. You know, not every ending is a happy ending. You know, and trauma's messy, and it really it it kind of falls to the person who survives it in order to define it for for himself or themselves and their family, and um, that's what that's the overarching thing that I hope you folks get out of this book as you read it. Um, is there uh, any other questions? Okay. I want to thank the Pratt Library for putting on this event. If you guys have a chance to walk through the main hall down there, they just restored this place, and it is absolutely stunning. Um, and thank you for your support of this family or for me and of the book and of the story, and uh, we appreciate you all coming out tonight. This podcast is a production of the Enoch Pratt Free Library and the Maryland State Library Resource Center. For more information and to access more library resources, please visit prattlibrary.org.